You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Hey, West Side. Really grateful for our celebration today, uh, Black History Month, as it demonstrates as a congregation how much we love all nations and all cultures. I really do pray that today you'll be deeply impacted by our guest speaker. Uh, This man who's preaching is a powerful preacher. He's an evangelist in the North River Church of Christ in Atlanta, Georgia, or Marietta, Georgia area. He is a dear friend of Carrie and I. We met him years ago uh, out here on the west side. And I believe today you're going to be deeply impacted by his heart and his powerful preaching. Been leading and serving in the full-time ministry for 20, over 20 years. And we know that many of you have heard him preach before. And if you haven't, hang in there. It's going to be powerful, encouraging, and inspiring. So I give to you, Mr. Jeff Hickman. Good morning, everybody at Westside Church. I'm grateful to be able to worship with you this morning all the way out here in Marietta, Georgia, just north of Atlanta. Uh, Grateful for the invitation from the staff there, especially Steve and Carrie, uh, whom are very dear to me. And uh, I'm just excited. Love worshiping, even though it's virtual, virtually. uh, I just love the connection that we can have. um, I also realize I've been told that I'm kind of kicking off uh, Black History Month. And uh, I'm encouraged to be able to do that, encouraged that even during this time, come on, people, we know it's craziness going on out there, people feeling a lot of things. But I just hope in the church, in God's church, I hope that we have the maturity to be able to recognize people of all kinds and the contributions that they have made. And I hope that we can show some love and some maturity in our culture today. Uh, I'm inspired by the contributions of all people, but grateful that we can take a month to celebrate uh, African-Americans and how they've contributed to this country. And I can tell you what, when I saw Amanda Gorman at that inauguration share that poem she wrote, man, I was inspired. I ain't gonna lie. Just to see them young folks up there just sharing their vision and their vigor. uh, It was really inspiring to me. And, And quite honestly, it reminded me of when I was a college student at Princeton. And I heard an author, a poet for the first time named Langston Hughes. And uh, I actually wrote my thesis on Langston Hughes. And here is a, a copy, the physical thesis I turned in in 1993. Back in the day, uh, I wrote it on Langston Hughes because he he wrote his poems in a style that was the vernacular and the language of the people of his of his community. Because in that time frame, so often the, the black poets and playwrights felt like they had to adopt the styles of kind of, you know, white America or white Europe. Right. And just that was the only way to be accepted. And he chose, no, but but I don't talk like that. And the people I'm around don't talk like that. And so he chose to express himself in the language of his own people. And it was inspiring. And so when I think of a Black History Month, I think about guys like Langston Hughes uh, that really inspired me at a time in my life, my pre-Christian days, uh, but really was really inspirational. Uh, You're actually going to hear from uh, Kevin Holland, who is still alive. (laughs) Uh, We don't have to just 
you know, be uh, honor people that have been dead and gone and their contributions. But you're going to hear from Kevin Holland, uh, one of the ministers out there. And uh, I look up to him. Uh, he's really been helpful to me in my life uh, just as a, a mentor, uh, one of the, the black brothers that I can go to uh, and, and hear from and be inspired and encouraged. So I know you're going to hear from some of your own members. They're going to share some of their heart and testimony. And I just hope that you have a great Black History Month and glad I could just contribute, maybe kick it off a little bit. Uh, but I know you're not here to hear me uh, talk about uh, just Black History Month. Uh, you you want to hear God's word preached as well. And uh, I'm, I'm here to do that. And I've been given a topic. I know you're in a series called Higher. And uh, my particular installment in the series is called Higher Freedom. And so we're going to look at uh, look at that concept here uh, in Isaiah. And we're going to jump to the New Testament as well. So let's go to God in prayer. Father, I, I truly hope that this message uh, will find hearts that are receptive to hearing from you. Father, I pray uh, that we can have humility and that we have the heart to receive whatever you want to give us. Whether this is our first time hearing a message ever or in a long time, or whether we have been following you for decades, I pray that we can always have the humility that you are speaking to us in this very moment and that this is our window to hear specifically from you. I pray for that to happen for each one of us, to hear a word from you that can touch our lives and help us to draw nearer to you. And I pray this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to dive in, folks. I don't have a whole lot of time. So <laughs> Isaiah 55, we'll pick it up in verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, a little bit of context here. And um, I encourage you to get a book called How to Read the Bible Book by Book. I just think it's a great resource. I've been around for over 20 years, and it's just a helpful helpful book uh, to give you a little context about all different books of the Bible. Uh, but what's going on here <laughs> when this is being spoken, right? Uh, and this is a part of history where Israel has been in exile. And they've been in exile for quite a while in Babylon. So there have been generations here that have only known life exiled away from Jerusalem. Uh, away from Israel. And so why were they exiled? Well, the, the How to Read the Bible tells us this. Uh, their failure is threefold. One, lack of trust in Yahweh, which is expressed in their constant flirtation with idols. And their three, their lack of social justice. Uh, they just didn't trust that God would take care of them. And they showed that distrust because they would worship the other gods around them, even though God clearly said, don't do that. And you'll have no other guys other than me. I got you. I'll take care of you. Take care of your crops. I'll take care of your, your pocketbook. Even in God's justice system, he would even allow debts to be just settled, right? Every every few years. I mean, it's just amazing uh, the society that could have occurred if the Israelites would have trusted God's way. And if they really would have trusted God's way, the whole world would have seen God's people as a as a light to the rest of the world. Uh, of justice and, and righteousness, but they chose other paths. But 
you know, the awesome thing about God, judge them he must, but give them up he will not, right? He, he had to let them deal with the consequences of their decisions, like a good, you know, like a good parent, really. Um, but it, he wasn't just going to forsake them and, and get rid of them forever, right? And so God's always crying out for his people to to return to him. It's been that way since the garden, right, to this day, right? And uh, and here's the other interesting wrinkle, is that earlier in uh, in this section of Isaiah, uh, the prophet mentions that there's going to be an unexpected savior, even using the word uh, for for that they get the Messiah. And it's going to be a, a, a Persian Gentile king. Uh, Cyrus, who's going to be the one kind of be the vehicle that God uses to get his people kind of a new exodus to free them out of their exile and take them back. So God's going to use an unexpected uh, person to help them achieve this freedom that they were longing for. Uh, so I think that's helpful. A uh, little bit of context for you. And uh, we're going to look at this in Isaiah 45, where it talks about Cyrus. This is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold of to subdue nations before him. So, yeah, it might be Cyrus, but God is behind what Cyrus is able to do. And also, I will raise up Cyrus in my righteousness. I will make all his ways straight. He will rebuild my city and set my exiles free, says the Lord Almighty. Isn't that powerful? You know, God uses even human leaders, kings, president, whatever. He can use whomever to accomplish his goals. And you go, what is that picture up there? That's actually the Cyrus Cylinder, where his reforms are written on that bit of archaeology that can bolster your faith to see that the Bible uh, is, is a historical document. Um, so let's keep reading. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him. While he is near. What is what is being said here? You know, the type of seeking that that the, the, the prophet is talking about, it, it's seeking, not using the sense of looking for what is lost. Right. God not lost. Right. But of coming with commitment to the one known to be there. And I appreciated that quote. You know, I, I think all of you here, even again, even if this is your first time or you're relatively new, I think, you you know, in your heart of hearts that, that God is. He's, he's there. You may not be able to totally get it or explain it, but but he's there. And what we want to inspire you with is not just come to him just only kicking tires. Oh, let me just see this thing out. But I think he wants a commitment. He's willing to commit to you and already has. And he wants you to come to him with commitment. Seek after him. And remember, the context here is that initially he's talking to, to, to God's people. Um, and he's saying, call on God, right? And this calling on it is like a crying out. It's a it's a plea for aid and help and, and, and like a prayer. God, help us, right? It's not like my teenage daughters when they're like, yo, cash at me $10. I need to go get something, right? That's calling out, but that's a different kind of calling out. This is when that's that I need. I need help. I can't do this on my own. Please. It's a pleading. And that's the type of heart that I think we need to have. And And, and it's got to be a sense of urgency. Seek him while he may be found. And again, it's not that God is playing hide and go seek with us. God is ever present. But here's the issue. Seek him while he kind of permits you the permission, so to speak. While you're able to see him. He gives everybody a window of time to where they can really have that, that, that connection with him. You know, calling him while he may be found. Uh, he knows our nature. God is not impatient with us, 
but he knows that we need we need an inspiration and, and motivation. Some of us are just numb. We like to procrastinate. And some of us are enslaved by our life and our choices and the sin in our lives. And we don't even want to call it that. We don't want to admit it. But that's where you are. You, you're doing stuff that you claimed you would never do. And you can't stop. This might be, today might be your opportunity to respond to God. Call on him. We come to the Lord as we are, but not to stay as we are, right? Call on him while he may be found. Have a sense of urgency, right? This may be your time right now, right? But then you got to get humble, right? Because it says, let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts and let them turn to the Lord. Here's where here's where I appreciate God. You know, God's it's on his terms, right? It's on his terms. Okay? And he's talking about the wicked. And in and, and, and the language there, it really talks about those that are guilty, those that have kind of transgressed the, the law. You know, people that know they probably know what was right, but they just went the other way. Uh, and then there's those that are unrighteous. You know, they're they're evil, troublemakers, provokers, false worshipers. All of those words kind of describe that word unrighteous, okay? And there's ways that are need to be forsaken, right? You need to give up certain ways, you know, lifestyle. But there's also thoughts. There's the philosophy behind your ways, right? You think a certain way. You have a view of this world, and that fuels what you do. Both of those things, your ways and your thoughts, need to be forsaken. You need to have the humility to own your junk and to say, you know what? I got stinking thinking. I'm messed up and I need help. You got to cry out to God. This might be your day today. Stop making excuses and run to God and call on him. But it's on his terms. And the beauty even of this passage is most scholars believe now he's talking about, hey, Israel, I'm not just here to serve you and to free you. Even though you are my chosen people, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about them and their ways, the Gentiles. I'm going to have mercy on them, too. So God's got higher thoughts. He's trying to free all people. Right. That's the beauty of this God. Right. But but you have to own your stuff. You got to admit when you're wicked and when you're unrighteous, when you're just doing your own thing and you're not following God. And you turn to the Lord, right? Turn away from your craziness and turn to the Lord. And that's a Bible word called repentance right there, right? If you've ever seen it, that's the concept right there. To turn away, to have the humility to realize your best thinking probably got you where you are now. You know, right? You need God. And you need to turn away and you need to follow. But then you go, but, but, but how... What kind of God am I going to meet if I do that? I'm so used to this way of life. You know, who, you know what kind of God you're going to find? You're going to find a merciful God. He will have mercy. You know what kind of God you're going to find? A God who's willing to freely pardon, not vindictive. A heart to pardon. A forgiving heart. Compassionate, merciful, forgiving. That's the nature of God. And don't fall for the lie that the God of the Old Testament is this evil God, you know. But the God of the New Testament is so peaceful and loving. The God of the Old Testament, same God right here, people. Compassionate and willing to forgive. 
So what are some themes that we can see so far before we jump to the New Testament, right? Because I, I, I want to show you that this same God <laughs> is, is the same God in the New Testament, this Old Testament God, okay? And we're going to look at, at some passages there. But these are some of the themes that I think are, are helpful to think about. We need to seek after God and call on him in humility. And we need, like I said, we got to own our junk. We got to stop acting like we got it all together. Uh, it's, it's, it's the wicked ways that we have and it's our, it's our unrighteous thinking. Those things have to be turned away from, right? And it's on God's terms. God says, look, this is what I'm going to do, but you need to turn, you need to turn away from your life, all right? You need to repent. Um, and you need to trust that God is compassionate and his heart is to set you free. No matter who you are, no matter who you are. Because some of you are like, man, if I showed up at a church, that thing would blow up because my life's so jacked up. God specializes in helping you and setting you free because you can't do it on your own. And here's the deal. God may use people you don't expect that could help you. I guarantee you the Israelites didn't think, yeah, the Persian king, he's going to be the one to get us back to Israel. <laughs> no, they wouldn't have thought that. They would have probably thought, man, I wish God would raise up another David, you know, one of our own Israelites to get us out of here. No, he's going, he, God will use whoever he wants to use to set whomever he wants to set free, which is everybody. And here's the other thing. After you get set free, God wants you to be a grateful person and he wants to use you to help other people to set them free. That's the beauty of God's plan. God never in the scriptures just pours blessings on a person just to do that. He always wants them to go and to be a blessing to other people. That's how God works. He's an amazing God. No matter what page of the Bible you're on, God is the main character. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, the three in one. So it, God is always the main character in the scriptures. And we're going to jump to the New Testament. And I want you to remember these themes because we're going to come back to them. And I think there is someone in the New Testament who embodies this. And I hope that you can be inspired and see this as well. And uh, and if you're not familiar with the Bible, there's a man named Paul, St. Paul, whatever. You probably heard that maybe before. His name was Saul at first and it got changed to Paul. So I might be using the Saul and Paul interchangeably, but it's the same person. OK, but he shares about how he came to faith. Uh, in different parts of, of, of the book of Acts. And so we'll look at some of these passages. Acts 26, verse 9. Start there. You now, Paul said, I was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that's just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished and I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. So this is Paul recounting when he was called Saul. And look, look at his thinking and look at his actions. Look at his ways and his thoughts, right? They were opposed to God. <laughs> They were opposed to what God was doing, doing through Jesus. So Saul was totally against it. And, and, and even to the point of, of obsessively persecuting and even being in favor of killing these people, taking their lives. Taking their lives. 
That was his thinking. That was the, his philosophy of life. And those are his actions. And he owns it. He owns it. You don't see him, you know, buttering it up like, well, other people were bad, too. No, he said, I was obsessed and this is what I was doing. Right. But guess what? Jesus met him one day as he was going <laughs> to do some of these deeds. Jesus met him flat out, knocked him off his horse, literally, and said, hey, so why are you persecuting me? You're not just doing it to those people. You do when you do it to them, you do it to me. And immediately Saul's like, oh, my gosh, Lord, what do I need to do? Right. Right. He got humble. He got humble and he listened to what the Lord told him to do. Right. Powerful. And the Lord told him, you need to go to somebody you don't even know. <laughs> you need to go to this man, Ananias. Saul didn't know who Ananias was. Right. Saul was high and mighty. Who's Ananias? And poor Ananias, because the Lord talks to Ananias too. Say, hey, you know that guy Saul, right? I need you to go help him out. And Ananias like, hold up, hold, hold up. Acts 9, verse 13. Lord, Ananias said, hey, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. Sound for me? But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show them, show him how much he must suffer for my name. So here we see some of the same themes again. What themes do you see? How about God uses people you don't expect, right? <laughs> In the Old Testament, it was Cyrus, the Persian king. And now here, Ananias like, Saul, he's been trying to kill Christians. <laughs> why, why do we need to help this guy? God uses who he wants to use, often in unexpected ways, right? And then you see this, even this phrase about calling on the name of the Lord, right? And that's going to come back again. So let's, let's keep reading in Acts 22. So then Ananias meets, they finally meet up. Ananias is face to face with Saul. And he says, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. And I think I see some of these same themes, don't you? <laughs> I think when we look at Saul's conversion, right, to a Christian becoming Paul, I think he needed to get humble. And there's other places in the Bible where you where Paul actually shares about how really how high up he was and how he had to be humbled. Right. And he owned he owned who he was. He knew he he was obsessively opposing Jesus. Right. His ways were not righteous. They weren't acceptable to God. He had to own it. You and I are the same way. We got to own our stuff. Some of you are just living a life of craziness. Own it. Don't make excuses. And hey, Christian member of the West Side Church, don't be thinking this message is just for the folks that are just trying to figure things out. Those of us that are Christians, we need to, we need to be even more mature when it comes to being humble. And we, we need to know how to cry out to God we need to be good at it. 
We need to have so much maturity that we've walked with God enough to know he's merciful and compassionate. Right. We need to be good at repenting. Right. It's not just repentance in just one time at your conversion. I hope all of us are repentant. I know I need to. Sometimes I'm just funky, simple, into my own self, self-centered, selfish, angry. And I got to learn. How, oh, man, I'm I'm just ungodly right now. I got to repent. Right. So, hey, this ain't just for people seeking God for the first time. Right. And, and notice that in, in Saul's conversion, it was on God's terms. God said, hey, look, you need to stop persecuting me and you need to go and do what I tell you to do. You need to turn from what you've been doing. I know you've been going to do do uh to mess with people, but I'm gonna I'm gonna send you somewhere to set you free. And you need to trust that God's gonna be compassionate, right? And He'll use people that you don't expect. Ananias didn't expect Saul was gonna be somebody that God would use, and I'm sure Saul he didn't know who Ananias was. And then if Saul was going to be helpful to anybody, Saul would have thought he was going to help his fellow Jews. But instead, God sends him to help the Gentiles. God just uses people in unexpected ways. Get used to it. Whoever somebody might have met you at Ralph's, had a mask on. Somehow you set up a conversation and they sent you this link. And here you are watching this message. You didn't even know who they were. Or you might just Google the church that you were trying to figure out something to watch. And here you are. God will use whatever means to get your attention. But at some point, you got to have some urgency to cry out to him and to own your junk and to call on his name. And isn't that what Saul did? He got in the water of baptism and came out free, set free. The one persecuting Christians, killing Christians, gets set free from his stinking thinking and his evil ways. And that's what we all need. And God freed him not just to hoard the blessings, but to go be a source to help other people experience the freedom from their enslaved way of life that they couldn't get themselves out of. And in closing, you know, I I actually want to thank Steve and Carrie Lounsbury because they they were there to help me. When I was an arrogant 25-year-old guy working in sales and making over $100,000 a year and thinking I was all that Ivy League grad, you know, just life just craziness is going out and drinking Jack Daniels every weekend. And if you had a little marijuana, I'd probably roll with you. You know what I'm saying? That's where I was, living the life, Southern California, single man. Let's do this, right? I'm down for whatever. That's who I was. All the while thinking I'm good. I'm better than everybody because look at me. I got a lot of money. I got Ivy League education. I'm better than you. What you going to say to me, right? I'm 6'4", too. I'm good looking dude. Who you? That's how, That's just where I was at, man. Just as arrogant, jacked up, and living in craziness as I could be. right? And, and calling myself a Christian because I had some experience when I was younger and attended some church. But, man, I, didn't, I couldn't tell you five passages. I didn't know nothing about following Jesus. I wasn't calling on his name. I wasn't really holding to the teachings or anything like that. That's just where I was. And I was at a coffee shop throwing my coffee away. Steve and Carrie Lounsbury walk in with a guy named Owen Thomas. Strike up a conversation with me and invite me to their home for a Bible discussion. I had never gone to anybody's house for a Bible discussion. Definitely not no white folks. That was not in the cards. 
I ain't never worshipped with anybody but black folk my whole life. You know what I'm saying? So this was kind of weird. But what in the world? I ended up exchanging numbers with Steve. And we ended up connecting. I ended up showing up to their apartment out there in Playa del Rey. And I'll never forget sitting on that couch and interacting with people of all races, by the way. My age. I'll never forget that night. And I'm going to tell you what, Steve Lounsbury opened up the Bible that night. And he turned to 1 Corinthians 9, something that Paul wrote, by the way. And the pastor says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that won't even last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No. I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. He read that scripture. It penetrated Everything in me. I don't know how else to explain it. All of my philosophy of life, achievement, run the race. That's what I've been doing, right? Be the best. Go to Princeton. Get a great job. Make a lot of money, right? But where was I? Just messing my life away on weekends, right? Living for the weekend. And no deep, real purpose down deep in my soul. And I, and I knew it. The emptiness, right? But then he, Steve read this passage that night and we discussed it. And like, I want to run. I do want to live this life with purpose. And I said, this is what I want in life. This makes sense to me. Whatever this guy Paul has, I want that. I want to get a crown that's going to last. I like his direction. He's not aimless in his life. And he's helping other people. I'm telling you, guys, I'm not just saying this. This is a true story. It wasn't like I got baptized that night. No, it took a few months because I was too prideful, to be honest with you. But they taught me the scriptures, you know, and these passages uh, about Jesus. And they, they, they helped me. And I got that urgency. And I, I was seeking God. And there came a point when I did call on the name of the Lord. And I was baptized. And I was fired up. And now here I am, a preacher, trying to help set other people free from being enslaved to lives of sin. But like I said, just because you become a Christian and get baptized don't mean life is just simple, right? You got to keep repenting. And I hope that today's message can encourage you. You know, this is where it all started for me, that, that coffee bean on Manhattan, on Sepulveda Boulevard, Manhattan Village. That's where it started for me. And maybe this morning it might be your starting point for you to seek God and to call on him and to own your stuff and to turn to him in repentance. And to be set free because, you know, God might use somebody you don't expect. But here's one thing we know. He's compassionate and he's gracious and his ways are higher than anything you can ever think of. And he wants to set you free. And I hope this message has encouraged you. Much love to you. And if you're ever out here in the ATL, holla at your boy. I'll take you out with some brisket and some peach cobbler. Show you some southern hospitality. Much love to you, my brothers. 
You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.